Welcome to Huddle Up, brought to you by the Fields Auto Group. Jaguars senior writer John Osher, NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks, and senior reporter J.P. Shatterick bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Huddle Up starts right now. And welcome in. It is Wednesday. That means it's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks and a busy time ahead for the Jaguars. They've got Monday Night Football this week. Wednesday feeling like a Tuesday around here. The Bengals and the Jaguars coming up Monday night. Five and six Bengals, eight and three Jags. First Monday night appearance for the Jaguars since 2011. The Jaguars offensive line having some changes. We'll get to that coming up. Huddle up with Bucky Brooks brought to you by the Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. Step up to luxury. FieldsAuto.com. And this Bengals-Jaguars game is presented by Florida Blue, the official health insurance solutions partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. J.P. Shadrick, John Osier here in Jacksonville at the Miller Electric Center. Bucky Brooks is in Los Angeles. And tomorrow, gentlemen, is the 30th anniversary of the announcement that the Jaguars had received a franchise, an expansion franchise, 30th anniversary tomorrow, John. Yeah, I remember it well. I was in the press room at the University of Florida uh, working for the Times Union covering the Gators, and I heard it a little earlier than everybody else did because Pete Prisco, my colleague at the TU, was on top of it and was hearing pretty early that it was going to happen. And I, I called my wife at the time, you know, still at the time, uh, <laughs> Still now, we were already married, and said, hey, this uh, this changes everything. I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, from a personal point of view, media opportunities in this town, it was completely different. And obviously, uh, that was a sliver of the importance for the whole city. It, it mattered to me because what's important for me, JP, is mm-hmm. what's important for me. You did work with but, Pete, apparently. But, uh, it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, a... Uh, you know, for people who weren't around and you guys weren't, the the feeling of it was um, even though I had been hearing from Pete for a couple of weeks that it looked like Jacksonville, um, nobody else believed it. Like, even when Pete wrote it multiple times in the TU that it was going to happen and that league sources, uh, and they were good sources. They were the, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to reveal them even 30 years later, but they were the real deal. Nobody believed it because uh, it had been a dream and a seemed like an elusive thing for so long that it just didn't seem like it was remotely possible. So when it became official, even though I knew it already, when it became official, it was still weird. And it was uh, people who were here, parties at the landing, which is now gone, just a feeling of, oh, my goodness. I mean, it, it, it actually it, happened. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it I get chills thinking about it now because it was it was I had grown up when it seemed no way, and teams were flirting with the city. Uh, it had become sort of a joke around the nation that oh, if you if you want a team, use Jacksonville and get one. And for the the people who made it happen, and there was a core people financially, a core group that made that believed. What a moment, and it changed. Uh, to me, it changed the city forever. It was an, an unreal day. Yeah, that'll be uh, tomorrow, Bucky. What a what a moment. And uh, 30 years, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I was not that young when it happened, and I'm really not young now. <laughs> but you're here, though, so that's good. You're still around. 
you, you made it. You've been able to celebrate the 30th anniversary, so that's something to be said for that. Where were you in 93, Buck? College? Uh, 1993, I was still running around for the Tar Heels. In fact, I think I might have been uh, around this time. We were getting ready for the Gator Bowl against uh, oh, yeah. Sherman Williams and the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's right. So I was uh, – I guess I had a connection to Jacksonville way back then too. That was the last Gator Bowl played in the old stadium. I think, right? Before they tore it down, right after. Had to have been, because yeah. as soon as they proved the team, that was one of the stipulations, that was one of the sticking points, is yeah. is the city really didn't understand yet how much had to be changed. They had to go to a vote. So so that would have been the last Gator Bowl, and then they changed, you know. I can remember driving across one of the bridges when I was still covering Florida and looking up and seeing what is now the top of this stadium, mm-hmm. just that. They had torn away everything underneath Just it, and it was one of the weirdest sights you'll ever see. People remember it, but it was basically like a third of what the stadium is now, or a quarter, or whatever, <laughs> on sticks, on stilts, just sitting there waiting for the other part of the stadium to be built around it. So it was a uh, memorable time. Really uh, cool, uh, cool memories. Another uh, big story coming out uh, earlier this week: Fred Taylor, Hall of Fame semifinalist, fifth year in a row. It's time to get him to the finalist room now, Bucky, and get him in front of the selection committee. That would be a, a great step for Freddie T. Yeah, it'd be a great step for Freddie T. It'd be a great step for the Jaguars. Uh, Freddie T. is one of the more slept-on running backs in the National Football League. When you look at his resume and his history, uh, he is worthy of wearing a gold jacket. Uh, and I can say this, looking at Freddie T. play from afar, uh, physical, dynamic, had big playability, had the toughness and all that. And my take on him comes from a lot of the conversations that I've had with Maurice Jones-Drew in the past. And he just talked about how Fred T. was the OG, how he kind of brought him in, taught him. And for a while there, that one-two punch that it was Fred Taylor and MJD was one of the more dominant duos that we saw in the backfield. Uh, Freddie T. deserves his flowers. And so hopefully this time around, he gets them. Yeah, I don't know that he gets in this time, but getting to that 15, JP, and I've been saying it for years, and people are tired of hearing me say it probably, but 25 and 15 is a big difference in this Hall of Fame process. Tony Baselli can speak to it as well. Uh, 15 gets you in that room, as they say, and it gets you being talked about seriously by the voters. And the big theme I hit on with Fred is I think once he gets, quote, in the room and the 50 people who really care about this, and they do, they do a good job, these guys and and, uh, gals. uh, Once they start discussing Fred and going back and looking at the history of his career, looking at the highlights, and his highlights are going to impress. And then once they start talking to people who played against him, which is is really what accelerated Tony, other great players who played against him, go talk to Ray Lewis about Fred Taylor. Go talk to the players who played for the Steelers then. Uh, If you didn't stop him, you lost. And anybody on the Steelers in 2000 would know this guy can outrun angles to a weird degree in this league. Uh, the size of str- the combination of size and strength that he had, only a few human beings who've played that position have ever had it. I think once he's in the room, then you will see people look back and reappreciate his career. And I think he will get in once he's in the room because you will talk to all these players who say, "Hey, if if he's not in, uh, something's wrong." So I, I do think he eventually gets in. 
Uh, I think it might be a process, much like Tony Vaselli's. Uh, that, that's not always fair, but I think it'll happen for Fred. Uh, but getting him from 25 to 15 is a big step. Hey, uh, Bucky, I got a question for the former DB, uh, Bucky Brooks. No, he didn't want to tackle him. What, yeah, when you see <laughs> Fred and his size and his speed break out in the clear and you think you have an mm. angle, all of a sudden you don't have an angle. How fast does that happen and what's, what are your, what's going through your mind? Well, there are a couple of things that go, go through your mind when a guy like Fred Taylor breaks through the line of scrimmage. One, uh, you're hoping that someone can slow him down because making that one-on-one tackle is very, very difficult because Fred not only has the speed to juke you and run away from you, but he has the size and the physicality to run you over. And so you're kind of there in no man's land if he breaks through the initial uh, wall of, of blockers and tacklers and those things. And then when it comes to dealing with him on the perimeter, it's trying to calculate the right angle. And with Fred, because he not only is fast, but he also had a, a violent stiff arm and he was physical, you then have to figure out how do I want to go make this tackle? If I'm going to tackle his legs, you got to remember when you look at his legs, man, he's thick. You see him running through all these arm tackles. So it takes someone to really hit him solidly to make him go down. Very, very difficult back. Look, makes you make a lot of business decisions on the perimeter. Yeah, there's Brock Marion chasing him right there and uh, no chance. The acceleration <laughs> on that play really spoke to what Fred was. Uh, I was at, I was covering the NFL already, but I drove down for Fred's pro day uh, at Florida. And it was really – I covered probably 15, 20 pro days, just different stuff. You've been in a couple with me, JP. Um, it was the only time when he ran his 40 – and there were head coaches, scouts. It was the only time I ever heard reaction from mm. scouts and coaches. There was whistling. There was woe. There were people who didn't believe what they had timed. Uh, he was that fast for his size. And uh, my favorite Fred story, when I was covering the Colts, this was in 04, uh, Mike Doss had made a nice play and forced Fred to fumble early in the season. Mike Doss was a safety for the Colts who went yeah. to Ohio State. Uh, and he did some talking during the week. And I was around Mike when he was making the comments. And I was, I had known Fred from covering him for two or three years. And I kind of, working for the Colts at the time, I kind of went, oh, I wish he hadn't, I kind of wish he hadn't said that. <laughs> uh, sure enough, this is Del Rio's first year. Jaguars weren't very good. And the Colts were on their way to uh, a division title. Late in the game, Fred breaks free. Runs over Mike Doss and does what many Jaguars, Jaguars fans remember. Sort of turned around. I don't think he waved. I think he wanted to, but kind of turned around, looked, and it was it it was Doss laying. And I, uh, <laughs> I I was rooting for the Colts, so I can't say I was thrilled about it. But knowing Fred, I kind of I kind of laughed to myself and went, "Yeah, that's yeah, that that's what coming. he does. He, he was." He was special, man. He was he was special. No doubt. Uh, hey, let's come back. We'll get into this week's game, Monday Night Football. The Jaguars haven't been on Monday night since 2011. All that coming up. We'll hear from head coach Doug Peterson as well. And bootleggers, get ready. Luke Combs is bringing two nights of the Growing Up and Getting Old Tour to Everbank Stadium May 3rd and 4th with different special guests each night. Tickets on sale now at everbankstadium.com. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. Thank you. 
he's obviously a big part of that offensive line. It's been been great to, you know, after his suspension to get back in there. And he, he does bring a lot of energy and uh, a level of physicality to the offensive line. And, and uh, he's been a he's been a really big bright spot there. You know, um, if, if he can't go, uh, obviously, we're we're still um, we're still good. You know, just like you saw yesterday, Walker Little bounces back out to, to left tackle and really my hats off to him and Ezra both, you know, to really in, in, extremely loud environment on the road. Um, you know, Walker got very few tackle reps during the week and, and um, you know, has to bounce out there and, and play tackle and Ezra has to go in and play left guard. Hats off to both those guys and for what they did. But uh, again, if Cam, you know, if Cam can't go, it's, it's, it's a loss. But at the same time, we feel comfortable with the guys, you know, stepping up. Said Coach Doug Peterson earlier this week on a media Zoom call. And since then, Cam Robinson placed on the reserve injured list for a minimum of four weeks. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. And be here Monday night. The Jaguars take on the Bengals at the bank. It's the Mike Calls Mike Cleats game. And wear black to help us black out the Bengals. Go to jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. And, yeah, Bucky, the offensive line, uh, that's going to be the setup, it sounds like. Walker Little to left tackle and Ezra Cleveland to left guard. And, all right, here we go for at least the next month. Yeah, I mean, look, you don't want to lose a starter like Cam Robinson, but this gives us an opportunity to see Walker Little in action at left tackle. We also get a chance to see Ezra Cleveland. He was brought in for a reason. Uh, they felt like they could shore up some areas on the offensive line, so he get a chance to do his thing. Uh, we'll see how this combination works. It, it, they did a pretty good job on the fly. You know, Doug alluded to the, the fact that they were jumping there, didn't get a lot of reps in practice, but they were able to make it work. And we saw Trevor Lawrence do from a clean pocket for most of the game. If they're able to get this done, um, Look, man, you talk about the importance of having quality depth as you get down the stretch and get into the postseason. This will be an opportunity to show that depth off and to get ready for a stretch run that's going to feature some very, very, um, I would say some big games, some memorable games as we get ready for it. Yeah, I said it often when they uh, went and got Cleveland that uh, they learned last year that you needed seven offensive linemen, not five. And they treat seven or eight guys on the offensive line like starters, maybe more than that. In terms of the reps, everybody's everybody's heard they rotate these guys a lot. Um, they needed both Shatley and, and Walker to play at a high level last year or they don't make the postseason. So I think they looked at it and said, we're going to need that same combination. Went and got Ezra, and it, and it paid off. It uh, This is supposed to be the way they have things set up this is supposed to be pretty much as good an offensive line as they have when Cam's not in. That's that's how they plan it. Uh, it, it played that way last week. Walker Little's done nothing at left tackle to make you think he can't do that job. And Ezra Cleveland's done that. So uh, I think the significance is um, what happens if one of these guys gets hurt. You know, because this is – now you're sort of on a thinner line than you were before. Sure. Uh, so that's what I worry about more than how they will perform. Uh, what happens if one more guy goes down? You have Shatley to come in, mm -hmm. uh, probably not on the outside. So you, you're still protected on the interior. But they feel like these six really are their strong six, and now they're down to five. That's just kind of part of the part of the deal this time of year, though, yeah. right, Bucky? I mean, that's the the numbers are what they are, and you got to go play and and see who's available week to week. 
Yeah, but John makes a great point when he talked about having eight to play those five spots. That's how most teams uh, treat the position. And when you think about game day, normally you dress eight to nine guys, but there are no burger eaters that are allowed in that group. Everyone has to be ready to play because anybody could get thrown in the game based on an injury or a different circumstance. No burger oh, eaters. Hold on. Wait a minute. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. I think he's making stuff up. At th- burger eaters? At this point. Oh, so, so burger eaters, guys that go on the trip and eat all the snacks, do all the other stuff in the hotel, but they never play. And so they're called burger eaters. So when I was in college, that's what the college coach would say, hey, man, no, no burger eaters on this trip. Guys eating up all the food before the starters can get there, but then they never make any contribution. So everyone that dresses out has to be willing to make a contribution. So you got to be ready. got to be ready when your number's called. One of my favorite Family Guy clips. Uh, <laughs> my son and I used to watch Family Guy together for a couple of years. There's this scene where Stephen King is supposedly pitching like a new horror novel. And he goes completely off the rails. It, it's nonsensical. And the guy looks at him and goes, you're just making stuff up at this point, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he made up Burger. I think he no, was, no, no, no. My college coach. I think that My was like jazz coach. where he's just Mac winging. Brown and those guys, no, 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 no. They used to say that on the trip in okay. North Carolina. Like when you go on the road trip because you only have so many guys that can make the travel roster. Yeah. And so everyone who travels needs to be ready to make a contribution. You can't be there eating all the – the burgers and the snicker bars and taking extra desserts and not be willing to contribute when it comes to game day. So everyone has to be in the right frame of mind. You got to be ready to play. You're just not going on a mini vacation for the weekend. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Hey, uh, let's come back in a moment. We'll uh, touch on the Bengals and the different look they have, obviously, coming into this one. Jags fans want customized Jags furniture for your home? Check out zipchair.com and browse all customizable options. Zip chair furniture for fans. This is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. Mike has them playing obviously at a really high level. Uh, they're playing fast. Secondary did a nice job, you know, uh, you know covering up guys yesterday when when um, you know CJ went into scramble mode. But uh, but I just think that the the guys have really you know bought into to Mike and his scheme and. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about second year in the system and, and playing with more confidence and, and playing fast. And I think that's a that's a credit to, to Mike and his staff. Head coach Doug Peterson earlier this week. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on this Wednesday. It feels like a Tuesday. The players are off today. They'll get back to work Thursday ahead of Monday night football at Everbank Stadium this week. It's week 13. The Cincinnati Bengals come to town. J.P. Shadrick. John Osher and Bucky Brooks. And, uh, hey, this defense not quite facing the same idea that they thought about Cincinnati coming into the game. Uh, Joe Burrow, of course, with a wrist injury, he's done for the year. So is Jake Browning making his now second start for Cincinnati. He came in relief of Burrow a couple weeks ago, started last week. Um, it's, It's fairly easy to say that this is a different feeling Cincinnati offense with Browning pulling the trigger as opposed to Burrow, Buck. Yeah, it's a different feeling offense, but I'm going to say this. This is uh, a very, very dangerous week for the Jacksonville Jaguars because the natural tendency that you have when the starting quarterback is out and the backup is up, everyone wants to take a collective deep breath and think that it'd be an easier game because he's not as talented as the starter. The thing about the Cincinnati Bengals, their perimeter players are still as dangerous as they've been. 
Jamar Chase is a top 10 receiver, maybe a top five receiver in most years. Uh, you still have Tyler Boyd. Don't know what T. Higgins' status is going to be. They got Joe Mixon in the backfield. So they have talent around the quarterback. What you can't do is make the mistake of thinking they won't find ways to get those guys the ball and not be in the right frame of mind, not bring the energy, the effort, the physicality that has kind of been a hallmark of the defense. So Mike Caldwell, Doug Peterson, if anything, they probably are going to be harder on the defense this week to make sure that they step into the stadium on Monday night, really locked in and focused to make sure that regardless of who's at quarterback, you give this team the same amount of respect and you play with that urgency that shows them how much you respect them. Yeah, that was put better than what I've been trying to say all week, which <laughs> is I think this is a big trap game. And uh, for that reason, I'm, I'm usually not big on trap games because usually I think teams come out and they play their game. But on this one, I completely agree. I think there's a tendency, uh, okay, they're five and six, Burrow's not there. Uh, and then you hear everybody saying, ah, you know, it's not the same game. Joey Ball game's not there. Uh, teams like the Bengals, who are a, I don't say historic because they're not, but they have been there the last two years. They have a lot of players who have played in big games. They have six left or, or uh, yeah, six games left. My guess is they win two or three of those. They're going to get close. They're a good, tough team. They're going to get somebody at some point this season. Uh, you want to make sure you're not one of those guys they get. I, I, I do have a question about the Jaguars' defense for the analyst. All right, how about that? Um, mm. And I think we're on the same page, Bucky. But it, I got some emails after that game Sunday from people who were down on the pass rush mm. that um, mm. Stroud was able to scramble. He had 300 yards, uh, and that there were too many plays for these people's liking of where he got outside, where they didn't stay in their lanes. I thought, Bucky, even beyond Josh Allen, I thought the Jaguars' pass rush, because they, it seemed to me like they rushed with a plan of, of disrupting Stroud. Talk me through, I think you thought they played very well. Talk me through why. I, I, I thought the defense played outstanding. I thought with the exception of a, a, a big play that they hit Tank Dale over the top that was eventually called back. They didn't allow the deep ball to hurt them. They kept everything in front of the defense. Yes, C.J. Stroud ran around and, and made some plays, but for the most part, they didn't allow him to get comfortable in the pocket. And so Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, uh, even Caleb on Chason, they, they made him get off his spot. He had to run around, and he was big play hunting when he left the pocket. And you have to make a decision on what do you want to take away. And coming into that game, I felt like the Jaguars wanted to take away the big plays. They wanted to make the Texans drive the length of the field, and they wanted to see if they could make C.J. Stroud uncomfortable. And if he beat him with his legs, they were willing to live with that. The one thing they didn't want him to do is break containment and beat him with a big play over the top, and they did that for most of the game. Yeah, and Bucky, I mean, he was never a run-first guy, like even in college. That's not his M.O. So if he's running around and beating you, okay, you could take that because he's not going to burn you for – 80 yards on the ground it feels like on, on one play that's just not Stroud's uh, strength at least uh, at least the way I see it so. no that's not that's not his MO and it's, it's very similar I'm not saying this because I don't want this to get misconstrued uh, it's very similar to the the pass rush plan that you take when you face a Pat Mahomes Pat Mahomes is athletic Pat Mahomes can pick up yards on the ground but Pat Mahomes doesn't want to finish with 100 yards rushing yeah. so what you're willing to do is you got to give up something because you can't stop everything 
So what you want to do is you want to take away the big plays. You want to make him do things that are not necessarily uh, to his strengths. And then if he, he look, he hits you with a couple of plays, a couple of runs, extends some drives. You live with that because you know that that's not how he really wants to attack the defense. And if you can make him play left-handed, which is what you're doing, you got a better chance of winning the game. And at the end of the day, the Jaguars won. They didn't give up significant points. They were able to get it done. And so it's a win. It's a good game plan. They sacked him four times. They hit him seven total times in the game, John. So yeah, I, they were effective. I, I could understand people watching it at first and saying, well, he, he got outside a couple of times. He was able to run around and hit some big plays after he ran around. You know, why didn't they blitz more on the early touchdown? I got that a little bit, and you know, my thought on it was, this kid's good. I mean, he's going to score mm-hmm. some points. He's going to lead them to some touchdowns. I thought they controlled it, and he never took over the game. and And I was with Bucky. I I thought he felt uncomfortable most of the game. Now he's good enough to make plays when he feels uncomfortable, but I thought they certainly did not let him define the game. Uh, I was kind of amused when I read and saw some people talking about how much C.J. Stroud outplayed Trevor Lawrence. I uh, I didn't see that at all. I mean, I, I maybe there's a little Jaguars bias in my thought, but I, you know, I guess we're flipping over to offense, so I'll preface it by saying I thought Trevor Lawrence was two inches away from being AFC Offensive Player of the Week again. Sure. You know, the Ridley yeah, touchdown the first half was a terrific pass. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. the Zay Jones play almost uh, – put the nail in the coffin almost you know I was looking for a Buckyism but I couldn't find one um (laughs) but I mean I I thought Trevor in this matchup that was hyped was subtly you know very very good and I know Bucky had some thoughts on that as well so I'll do the segue JP you can I'll just sit sit this one out how good was Trevor the other day Bucky look I thought he was really good and I, I, I felt uh the version of Trevor that we saw was very very chippy very intense, very focused. Uh, I thought his competitive arrogance kind of showed up. Uh, I noticed early, like I, I think I talked about this, the coin toss when he went out and they're, they're meeting with the captains and normally they're nice pleasantries exchange. Uh, Trevor really wasn't about that business. He kind of dapped everybody up and he was ready to go play. And I think he has obviously heard the noise about CJ Stroud and maybe CJ Stroud being the best quarterback in the division and yada, yada, yada. And so the last couple of weeks, I think he has played with that chip on his shoulder. And if this version of Trevor Lawrence shows up as we get into the, the down the stretch and into the postseason, the Jaguars are going to be a dangerous team. And it has taken us a while to see the offense the way that we envisioned. I felt like the Houston game was maybe the first time the offense looked like we talked about it looking in the offseason. Calvin Ridley being a big part of it, Christian Kirk getting it, Evan Ingram and even Luke Farrell being a part of it and Trevor throwing for over 300 yards. This is the team, this is the style of offense that we thought we were going to see. Let's see if he can use that Houston game as kind of like a launch pad for maybe a strong run uh, to close out the season. Yeah, they really were. You know, Sometimes when you're covering a game or, or uh, calling it, which JP does, you can get sort of lost in the moment and not see the big picture a little bit. Once I look back at this game Monday, I said, you know, they were an inch or two from hanging a number on that team. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, they didn't get seven at the end of the first half. Uh, Ridley's drop, I mean, I shouldn't even call it a drop. It would have been a nice catch, but 
probably should have mm-hmm. caught it. Uh, gives you four more, and then they're at the 41 and couldn't quite convert. You know, they're really close to being in the mid-30s. I think they thought going into the game they would be there, mm-hmm. and that if they held the Texans to 20, which they did, I, th- I think they kind of felt like, if we hold the Texans to 20, we're going to be comfortable at the end. Yeah. Didn't quite work out that way, but three or four players in the locker room that I talked to, um, they felt like they moved up and down the field. They felt like it was a really good offensive game. And I think it was Evan Ingram said after it, you know, the points were a little frustrating because we felt like we were in control and moving easy. Doing enough to uh, – yeah. And they didn't quite have the points. But I'm with Bucky. This – I kind of think with them now getting how to use Ridley, which that feels comfortable for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zay Jones back. They stay healthy with the skill guys. You could start seeing some numbers. Uh, let me let me weigh in real, real quick, JP. Yeah, uh, one, Zay Jones does make this offense complete. It's so weird that a guy with one catch for 10 yards can kind of change the dynamic of the offense. But there's something about him being on the field that allows this offense to kind of operate a little differently. Uh, the second thing, uh, Calvin Ridley's drop, uh, not being able to punch it in at the end of the first half when you're kind of gifted three points and then just failing to kind of like capitalize on some of those things. John is right. It could have been a 40-burger very easily. On the field, it felt like this team was dominating the game. And so even though the score was closer, when you're there and you watch it, they dominated the game. And I actually am more proud of the team for showing the maturity and the resilience to bounce back from not cashing in on all those opportunities but still having their wits about them to finish the game the right way. I think we're just scratching the surface on how good this team and this offense can be, I think we'll look back at the end of the year and talk about this game being a defining moment for this offense, figuring out who they are and how good they can play together. Past teams around here, when they gave up that lead to 14-13, would have wilted. Yeah, uh, The Jaguars' offense scored on their next two possessions. The Jaguars' defense got off the field on their next two possessions, and it was a 10-point lead in a hurry again for the Jaguars. And yeah, that's that, a good eye, J.P. Yeah. I, that was what I was about to talk about. I thought yep. that moment yep. where you were in control, the first time they had lost a lead, they've only lost the lead twice. They would have been out of the lead twice in their last seven victories. You lose the lead. You just threw a pick. You gave away points. Yep. And then you said, okay, now we're going to put our grip on this game and took back control of the game immediately. That, to me, shows – when Doug talks about learning how to win last year, mm-hmm. right there in that moment to me was, okay, this team's grown up. And it's not fair to say it's doing it. it it's it been this all season. This is how they've played. Not necessarily playing great, but in the big moments, making the big plays. Uh, coaching, maturity, whatever, it's there for these guys right now. All right, guys. Let's come back. Uh, Monday Night Football. First time in a long time for the Jaguars – We'll get to that when we come back and wrap it up. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on this Wednesday ahead of week 13. The Jaguars at home this Monday. And Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks is brought to you by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. Step up to luxury. FieldsAuto.com. J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, and Bucky Brooks. Be one of the first to become a Daily's Place Blue member for the 24 season. Reserve your premium seat membership or individual luxury experience today 
Email ticketing at boldevents.com or call 904-633-2000. So at last, it's Monday Night Football for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The last appearance was December of 2011. The Jags' all-time record on Monday night, 8-7. and seven. They won their first five Monday night appearances as a franchise, dropped seven of the last ten. But the last appearance was when Trevor Lawrence was 12 years old in 2011. They lost to the Chargers. It was a week after Wayne Weaver had announced that he had fired Jack Del Rio and was selling the team. And then the next week after that Monday night game was Shad Khan's first appearance on the sidelines in Atlanta after the confirmation by the league owners of the ownership change. It's a long time ago. Mel Tucker was the interim head coach. Uh, John, you were there. It was your first year back with the team. I was there. And it's, it, it uh, boy, it's been a long time. And uh, those are some good memories. They beat the Ravens that year on Monday night, which was one of the most amazing uh, victories I've seen here in, in 12 years. They did not come close to being the Chargers on that Monday night. Uh, yeah, Philip Rivers went off like three touchdowns. Yeah, it was uh, it yeah, was one of those. Some games are closer than the score indicated. <laughs> Not that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I was talking to somebody who I, I talked about the Jags quite a bit, and uh, he was like, "Man, I can't wait for you Monday night fired up." And yeah, Monday night fired up. And I said, "Yeah, it makes that Tuesday get up tough." And he goes, "Yeah, it is tough." He goes. But Monday night's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's right. It, it, you you put Tuesday aside, and you come out, and uh, you know, I always prefer a a nice one p.m. Sunday game, but uh, we're getting an eight fifteen Monday game, and it it it's going to be a scene. It's going to be fun. We think, Buck. Look, man, this is fun. These these games are fun. They're really fun for players because the players know that. Uh, there are a handful of games where all eyes are on you. Thursday night games, Sunday night games, and Monday night games. You get to, to, to really be the center of attention in the National Football League world. And so this brings about a little extra energy, a little juice, uh, because for the Jaguars, for, for a lot of them, it's the first time that they will have been seen um, by the well, Pro Bowl voters and all this other stuff. So this will be one. It shouldn't take uh, Doug Peterson a lot to get the team going. Uh, it's exciting. So the electricity, the energy should be different. I would be shocked if the Jaguars don't have a, a, a higher level of intensity and enthusiasm playing on Monday night. Since the last Monday night Jaguars game, seven head coaches, including two interims, including Mel Tucker that year, uh, four different GMs or VPs of football operations, nine different players have started at quarterback for the Jaguars. That's a long, strange trip for the organization, but it's a long time coming. Hey, you got to fight through that stuff, and TV audiences and TV executives and league executives look for things that will draw viewers, and the Jaguars for a long time were not that. They are certainly now with the quarterback and the head coach, the way they finished last year, very much deserving of this Monday night football appearance. And they're earning it, I mean, meaning they got these games uh, – Based on last season, they got a couple. Or they got one primetime game after the seventeen too, and mm-hmm. they got flexed out of it. That's right, at eighteen. Uh, yep. Now anybody who's saying, "Well, you know, you've come back after a division title and you're eight and three, you're tied for the fewest losses in the AFC," nobody can say you don't deserve to be there. And they have the added element of, uh, they have a a kid who's becoming a big time quarterback. And they have a chance on on Monday to show the nation, hey, we're f- 
are not only good, but we're fun. Because this is a team that when it gets going can be fun. They've got weapons. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got personality. So uh, I I talked earlier my this or that this morning on Jaguars AM, the other show that I do, uh, was is it an opportunity or is it a trap game? I think it's both. I don't think it'll turn out to be a trap game. I think it's an opportunity to show, hey, a lot of y'all saw us against San Francisco. Not very good. This is what we really are. And, and uh, Bucky, I think I, I would be disappointed. I wasn't surprised the San Francisco game was a loss. I'd be a little disappointed in this team if if they don't play well and take advantage of this. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. And, um, you know, I go back to the first Houston game where it was kind of that, oh, man, we can mail this one in. This is a good one. Uh, I think they've learned from all those things along the way. The Kansas City and the San Francisco games taught them how to play against big-time teams. They, Doug talked about after each of those games how they had to bring a different level of urgency and intensity to those matchups with those uh, heavyweights. I think you have to treat Cincinnati in the same light. Two years ago, this team was in the Super Bowl. Last year, this team was right on the precipice of being able to go back. And so this is an opportunity for the Jaguars to, look, stack up on the national stage, let everyone see that they're legit. Uh, this should be a fun one. There should be a lot of excitement around the city on Monday night. I'm excited to be there and to be in the bank. Bucky, we will see you at the bank on Monday. Have a safe trip. Have a good hey, weekend. man, should be a lot of fun. That's Bucky Brooks, John Osier, David Cho, Brent Reber, Joe Fortunato. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Monday Night Football, the Bengals-Jaguars game presented by Florida Blue, the official health insurance solutions partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. This has been Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. <laughs>